Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin. Today I invite you to join me in looking at a familiar parable, the story of the sower who goes out to plant his field and has mixed results with his crop. The parable is so familiar and seemingly straightforward that I considered looking for another text to use. Then I thought about the purpose of parables and how they work. Jesus used parables as his main way of teaching for a reason. They serve as imagination starters. Each time we interact with these stories, there's a possibility of the Holy Spirit opening up a new meaning for us. I personally come back to this particular story many times, and I always discover something new. So hear the parable of the sower and the seeds and see what you can glean from it this time. Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there, while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose and they were scorched, they died, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. After addressing the crowd, Jesus speaks to his disciples privately, and he says to them, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the world, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, another sixty, and another thirty. Here ends the reading. Now we first need to pay a bit of attention to the situation where Jesus is preaching this parable. People are coming to him and his disciples to hear his teaching. Crowds gather around him on the beach, so he goes out and stands in the boat, which he uses as a pulpit. He doesn't give them moralistic sayings, but instead tells them a story. A story, since most of them lived in agricultural areas, they would understand. Stories enable, to look into the, enable them to look into their own hearts. Not only will that help them get a deeper understanding of what he's trying to say, 
they'll hear it as it applies to the situation in which they find themselves. Plus, from a practical standpoint, stories are more interesting than dry speeches. That's probably one of the reasons that Jesus drew crowds. He was an entertainer. Jesus does something unusual here. He explains his parable. He doesn't seem to leave much to the imagination or much room for the work of the Holy Spirit. But he only explains it to the disciples. That's the kind, kind of like explaining the punchline of a joke. If you have to explain why a joke is funny, it's not a very good joke. Notice, however, that he only explains, as I said, the parable to his disciples. He explains it to them because they are going to become teachers themselves. They will become sowers of the seed of the gospel. So, we also get a further insight of the parable so that we can be sowers of the word. First of all, Jesus is clear that the parable is a symbolic representation of how the Word of God works in the world. The sower, we assume, is God or God's representative, and the different types of soil are different people's hearts who receive this Word. The four types of soil are the hard, trampled-down pathway, rocky ground, a briar patch, and finally, good, fertile soil. Let's see if we can identify these types of soil in our own experience. The first type of soil is that tamped-down pathway. No matter how good or fertile soil is, it has to be loosened up enough for the seeds to put down roots so that a plant can receive water and nourishment. Just this afternoon, I was out in my backyard trying to repair some bare spots in my lawn. We have a really heavy clay-based soil, and in some spots, it's become as hard as concrete. I had to work hard in order to break it up to allow some air and lightness to the soil before I could apply a mixture of seed and mulch and fertilizer. I know from past experience that if I just put these materials on top of that hard soil, it's just a waste of money. The seeds won't germinate, and they become a ready snack for the birds and chipmunks in my backyard. I don't care how good or expensive the seed is. That's the first type of environment Jesus is describing. Jesus says that compacted soil is like people who hear the word of God and don't understand it. I don't want to put words in Jesus' mouth, but I think that instead of not understanding the word, we could say they don't accept the word. They don't try to understand it. Their hearts are hardened to the point that the word of God cannot germinate and have any good effect in their lives. I remember the early days of my pastoral ministry, ministry in the 1990s, preaching a sermon in which I stated that no matter what our position on the issues of homosexuality were, that Christ preaches a message of radical acceptance for all people. I'd learned very quickly that in my large congregation, there existed a wide range of attitudes and beliefs about gay and lesbian people in the church, ranging from some who had unqualified acceptance, they thought homosexuality was not a sin, to qualified acceptance, hate the sin and love the sinner, 
and total condemnation. Homosexuality was a sin, and the only way to be accepted in the church was to repent of that sin. On the following Monday, four angry parishioners showed up in my office with fire in their eyes. They came with chapter and verse in hand of every passage in the Bible that condemned same-gender relationships. I listened respectfully and tried to explain my own, what I considered more nuanced, biblical interpretation. Two hours later, they left my office just as angry as when they came in. Two of them left the church. The other two stayed and campaigned for years against any effort of our congregation to make our church a welcoming place for gay and lesbian people. By the way, at that time, transgender issues weren't even on our radar. My point is, God's word, at least as I understood it, fell on unreceptive soil. Their hearts were not the good soil that Jesus talked about, receptive to the message of love and acceptance and forgiveness. For some of us, it takes a long time for the soil of our hearts to be aerated enough to be fertile. So it behooves us to keep on trying to till our own soil. Additionally, the ungerminated seeds are picked up by birds and carried off. When God's word isn't accepted, there are always those around who are ready to pick it up and misuse it. They may distort those words or try to use them to support their own agendas and discourage us from hearing the truth. The next kind of soil, thin rocky soil, is a lot like the pathway. The difference is that if the conditions are right, just the right amount of rain and sunshine, the seeds will germinate and the plants will start to grow. But the soil is thin. The plants don't have a chance to develop a root system. I listened to a gardening and lawn care show on the radio and a turf grass, grass expert explained the dangers of overwatering. The plants get enough water near the surface so they don't develop deep roots. He advised letting your lawn dry up between waterings so that the roots have to grow down after the water. Since those plants on rocky soil had no depth of root, even a short period without rain would cause them to wither and die. Now I'm sure you've encountered such shallow people. They're the ones who show up at meetings fired up and full of big ideas. They are quick to make commitments, but are nowhere to be found when the real work starts, or when they are called upon to really show their faith, or when they're confronted with difficulties. They don't have any spiritual nourishment to carry them forward. Now, we need to be careful here about pointing fingers. I suspect that we have all become excited about a commitment and then failed to follow through with it. When I was in college, I once volunteered to read one-on-one -on -one with kindergarten students who were having problems learning to read. I was really excited about it. I had this vision of myself saving a child from illiteracy. The first session was great. Little Celia sat hanging on every word as I read the Velveteen Rabbit and the little engine who could. But unfortunately, my enthusiasm soon waned. I didn't see any immediate effects of my efforts. 
I got more involved in my own classwork and extracurricular activities. I started calling with, in with excuses not to attend my sessions with Celia. And finally, I dropped out of the program. To this day, I feel shame for abandoning that child and perhaps damaging her further, being just one more adult in her life who didn't care. I just did not have the spiritual depth or the insight to follow through, no matter how excited I'd been in the beginning. My heart was rocky soil. It behooves us all to examine our own hearts whenever we feel that rush of excitement, whether it to be a volunteer position at church or in our community, or even in a new relationship with another person who needs a friend. Before we commit, we need to make sure we have the depths of soil to nourish our growth for the journey ahead. The next type of soil that Jesus talks about, that's the soil that is infested with briars and brambles. Let's call it thorny soil. Jesus explains to his disciples, Jesus explains to his disciples in this example, that the reason the word of God does not take root in our hearts is that we're too occupied by concerns and cares of the world that distract us from hearing and following what God has to say to us. This is one that all of us can relate to. How often have you said, I'm just too busy to deal with that right now. I would place these cares of the world into two general categories, the required and the optional. Legitimate concerns that distract us from the Word of God are things like work and family responsibilities. In order to be a contributing member of society and support ourselves and our families, we need to make a living. And that takes time. Today, that often involves devoting large chunks of time to our work. What I mean by optional cares of the world are the pursuit of great wealth and prestige and the devotion of large chunks of our time to pleasure-seeking activities. Now, we all need and deserve a purpose in life, but when we are completely consumed by making money and having more things, we are not leaving room for our spiritual life. In order to be physically and emotionally healthy, we also need time for recreation and pleasure. But when we spend every spare moment on video games or media or wear ourselves out in recreational activities, again, we are shortchanging God in our lives. The answer here, I believe, is finding balance. In his famous time management book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, one of Stephen Covey's core principles is to put first things first. In other words, figure out what is really important in your life and then schedule those things first. For example, if you want to make room for your spiritual life, enter attend worship on your weekly schedule first. Maybe include 15 minutes each day for reading the Bible and prayer. Covey points out that when we do this, we will actually find that we develop more and more time for the important things because we begin to identify and weed out those things that we're doing, which are mere distractions. We're clearing the briar patch in our heart. That, now this leaves us with the good soil of our hearts. 
We've already seen there is a lot of bad soil competing for the seeds of truth, but the good soil is capable of producing amazing yields. Jesus says each seed can produce a yield that's 20, 30, or even 100 times the original. Jesus did his research. I had the advantage of Google, but found that a grain of wheat can produce 20 or 30 grains in return. Corn is even more amazing. An ear of corn contain up to 800 kernels, and each seed of new, the new hybrids can produce two or even four ears, giving a conservative yield of over a thousand kernels for one planted. That miracle is how we feed the world. Do not underestimate the yield that God's word can produce if planted in the fertile soil of your heart. That is the soil that has been cultivated and tended carefully. It has been aerated. The rocks have been removed. The weeds and the briars have been plucked up. Our gardening tools are simple. Prayer, worship, engaging God's word in the Bible, taking part in Christian service, and simply living a loving and compassionate life. Those are the things that we need to be sure that our hearts are good soil. Use them, and your heart will be capable of amazing yields. There is a hymn based on this parable titled, Good Soil. Singing it or using its words as a regular prayer could remind us of the importance of cultivating our spiritual lives. It goes, Lord, let my heart be good soil, open to the seed of your word. Lord, let my heart be good soil, where love can grow and peace is understood. When my heart is hard, break the stone away. When my heart is cold, warm it with the day. When my heart is lost, lead me on your way. Lord, let my heart, Lord, let my heart, Lord, let my heart be good soil. Thank you for joining me today. May the Lord let your heart be good soil. And may you reap a harvest of love, compassion, and peace. Amen.